0: Good evening, everybody. Tonight we have a very special guest with us on the Beelins and Tennis Podcast. He's been on fire as of late, winning the last two out of three challenger events on the ATP Tour, which enabled him to secure the Australian Open Main Draw Wild Card Challenge. He's battled Rafael Nadal for over four hours in Australia to the absolute brink before falling 7-5 in the fifth set. Yet he may even be remembered more for that match for being such a great sportsman and granting Rafa a repeat a repeat of his first serve in the very last game of the match after a spectator interrupt, interrupted Rafa mid-serve. Steve Flink just published a great article on this man on the TennisChannel.com website, an article I shared on my and Tennis Facebook page. We have with us, as our guest tonight, Tim Smichek. Tim, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks, David. I appreciate you having me on. So... Um, before we get started into your tennis journey, let us know where, where you're currently at. I know you were in training at the National Campus uh, for the last week, right? The uh,
1: last two weeks, actually. I, I uh, started off my preseason training block there, and uh, now I am uh, driving to Dallas. Uh, I'm uh, closing on my house in Tampa in a, in a week or so, and so we uh, finally just moved all the furniture out and everything
0: and, and headed, uh, headed back to Dallas now. God, well, congratulations on the move. Um, and safe travels, obviously. I know that's uh, that's quite a long drive. So kind of, um, I do this with all of our guests. If you don't mind, kind of um, talk us about your journey. Walk us through your journey in the sport of tennis. How did you get started? Do you have parents, siblings play? How You know, kind of walk us through that path. Sure, well, I have a
1: brother who's about four years older than me, uh, and uh, when when I little, I just kind of tagged along and and uh, in on, on his lessons, and, and that's how I got my start. And uh, you know, all throughout my junior career, it was just great for me because I had a you know a, a hitting partner who was a, a lot better than me, so uh, I definitely benefited from that. But uh, yeah, all, all up through the juniors, I, I uh looked you know, up to my
0: brother and wanted to be like him, and, and uh, tried to, you know, do that, do that for a Got it. That's, a, that's how a lot of people get started. They see their older siblings, whether it's brother or sister, and they get out on the court. So, um, obviously, you had a really, really good junior career. Um, one of those was including finishing third in, in Kalamazoo at USTA Nationals, and you obviously had a decision to make, and that was um, you were obviously going to be highly recruited, or were highly recruited, um, and you decided to forego college and, and turn on the pro tour. Can you um, can you walk us through that decision making process a little bit?
1: Sure. Well, you know, at the time, uh, you know, I started to have just a little bit of success on the Futures and, and Challenger tour. Uh, but uh, I guess what it came down to was I just felt like I had kind of a limited window to to professional tennis and. Uh, I figured if I if I'd gone to school, uh, you know, I wasn't sure i was capable of, of maximizing both my my studies and my tennis career, and one of was gonna get so uh, you know, I put uh, school on the on the back burner for a little while, and, and decided to uh, play professionally.
0: Got it. Well, it it turned out all right for you because you've had a really really solid career. So congratulations on that, and um, you. obviously you, you don't look back once you make a decision like that. You go uh, 100% all in, which is what you've obviously done. So obviously you've been on tour for quite a while, but and, and I hope you're not sick of talking about this match, but i got to bring up the Rafa match. Um, 2015 sure. second round, um, Tim battled Rafa for over four hours before falling 7-5 in the fifth, and... When I watched that match, what I was so impressed with is that you were so aggressive and really able to take it to him for over four hours. And that's so incredibly hard to do, especially because Rafa is so strong physically. He's just not th- that often on the defensive. And, and what is even more amazing about Rafa is that when he is on the defensive, he just doesn't get the ball back. The guy creates angles from the most precarious positions on the court, and he can turn defense to offense in one shot just like that. And despite all that, you were still able to play very aggressive ball against him. I looked at the stats again today um, before we had this call, and you had 64 winners in that match. No one does that against Rafa. So um, I'm sure you have so many vivid memories of that match. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that match? And if you can, try to describe to the listeners what it's like to hit Rafa's ball as far as the heaviness with the rotation, and especially for four-plus hours in a match.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, the the score, or the the stats keeper might have been going a little generous, but I uh, I certainly don't remember 64 winners. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I guess I... I, It sounds like I played very aggressively, but but I I never really felt out of control or or like it... uh, you know, that uh, it wasn't sustainable or, or anything like that. Um, you know, I felt like I played within myself and I and, uh, stuff at the right times, but also I didn't press too hard. Um, you know, as far as, um, as his uh, ball goes, I, I definitely played him at uh, on, on his worst surface. Um, you know, obviously, I didn't play him on on clay. Right. It's um, not going to get quite as high. <laughs> right. Yeah. and, and it, it is a, a faster, kind of slicker hard court, so, um, you know, there, there are definitely worse places to, to plant, but even even so, it's, you know, it comes at you with a lot of weight, and, uh, you know, I just, I, I did my best to try and time it, and, uh... You know, be in position for the ball uh, you know, if your legs are dirty, uh,
0: makes everything a little bit easier. Going into that match, I'm sure you talk to your coach. Can Can you kind of talk a little bit about um, what the game plan you had in mind or you want to kind of keep that uh, secretive because you may face him still in your career? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he definitely didn't have a best stop, so, you know, I, I didn't uncover I did any secrets or,
1: or anything uh, as far as this playing at all. But um, yeah, we we you know we had a couple of patterns that we wanted to play. Um, you know, uh, hit it a high percentage of first serves and, and um, you know making sure to uh, start off the point on offense when when uh, when I saw a second serve that sort of thing. Um, but really, there was there was not uh, you know anything anything too complicated. It was, uh, it was all very basic and, and, um, you know, just trying to play, play into my strengths, but also, uh, not in such a way that, uh, that I was going
0: to let him hit forehands like, like he, uh, likes to do. Right, and bully you all over the court, because then that's basically right. lights out. No, well, uh, that was some match and you won a ton of fans, obviously, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm sure. Again, that's something you're going to remember for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, for sure. um, you want to do a like little like speed round thing? Just a couple quick hit questions. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'll know the answer to this, but uh, favorite slam to play in. Well, it's, it's tough because uh,
1: you know as an American that, that New York uh, a couple of years ago in in twenty thirteen uh, that was one of my favorite on the uh, tennis court for sure. I, I lost the third round. Yep. And, uh, I was
0: going to bring that, that match up. up. Yeah, I was going to bring that yeah. match up. I think you were the last American standing, right?
1: Yeah, so that was that was really neat, uh, you know, just having the fan support. Uh,
0: for the listeners, Tim For the listeners, Tim also lost that match 7-5 in the, in the final set. So I'm going to tell you this, Tim. The next time you're at 5-all in the fifth set of a slam, Forget strategy or remember. Just remember this guarantee. The next time you're 5'5 five, five in the 5th, you're coming up on the good side. I guarantee it. I <laughs> do, <Dude>, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so again, as far as that goes, it's hard to beat New York, but I
1: also have uh, a, a pretty special uh, memory down on Rod labor as well. So uh, we'll call those with a tie. I gotcha.
0: Favorite moment or moments on court so far in your career? We may have talked about one of them. So you're from Milwaukee. Be careful, because I'm from Chicago, and we're going to have a lot of Chicago fans listening to this, Tim. So, sure. uh, bigger fan of whom? Bucks, Packers, Badgers, or Brewers? So, uh,
1: I was. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big Brewers fan, but it's it's been it's been pretty tough to watch the last couple of years. Uh, especially with the as well as the Cubs are done. Right. So, um, you know, these last few years I've, I've, I've been having a lot of fun watching,
0: uh, watching the Packers. Fair enough. Now, you know, you're not going to get on the Cubs bandwagon, right? You're sticking to your Milwaukee teams. <laughs> no, I <laughs> think <laughs> So, yeah, this is kind of a fun question I thought of. Um, other than yourself, if you can take one shot other than from yourself, who would you take it from and what shot would you take? And you could pick a couple.
1: to um, yeah let's I go think, I think probably one of the one of the biggest weapons in tennis is, is like a um, like a Milo Raonic serve um, you know it's something that you know you can you can win such a high percentage of the service games and uh, you know if I had his serve in and, and all of my shots I think that would I, I think I could be pretty
0: good nice It'd be six six, right? Like Milos is. Yeah, that's <laughs> Um Two thousand eighteen. Obviously, you turn thirty years old. Back in the day, thirty is kind of um, you're finishing it up, and obviously, that's not at all in today's age with things getting more physical. People are playing um, well into their mid thirties, and you're seeing how well even a guy like Roger obviously is playing. He's thirty six now, I think. So. Can you talk about your goals for 2018? Um, you have any specific goals that you have in mind or just more general?
1: Yeah, you know, just more generally, I'd like to, uh, I, I'd just really like to, to better my uh, career high ranking. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I got up to, I think it was 68. Yep. And, uh, so I'd like to get past that. Uh, you know, the obvious, Hurdle to that is I got to get top hundred first, so uh, that'll be a little bit more immediate goal. But um, you know, eventually, I'd like to get up
0: past that 68 fifty eight number. Yeah, and you know, you've been on such a, a a roll these past few weeks. Were you hoping that the season would kind of keep on continuing, or uh, were you good to take a little break and keep that momentum and keep even improving on the momentum that you're working on heading on uh, heading into
1: two thousand eighteen? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a because it, it certainly uh, had been a long year and I was looking forward to some time off but uh, at the same time I had not really uh, played that many weeks in a row uh, well uh, in a while so I, I almost wish there were a couple more tournaments but like I note and, and give me maybe a little more motivation uh, heading into the preseason to, you know, train real hard and, and uh, get ready for 2018.
0: And you're still hitting the ball real well, right? You're still feeling like as good as you did at the end of uh, end of the season in 2017. Well,
1: it's, it's funny because, um, you know, during during the preseason you're doing so much work in the gym and on the track and everything that, uh, you know, it's next to impossible to actually heal good on the court. Right. Uh, but uh, but yeah we're you know we're working on some things and, and uh, still feel like I'm actually hitting the ball pretty well so I'm
0: excited. Good. Now with this next next question, I, I'm not rushing anything so don't take it into like don't take it like that. But I just wanted to ask um, you you're very smart, you're very well spoken, any thoughts on what you might want to look into doing once you retire from playing on the Pro Tour?
1: Beyond that, I,
0: I don't have a great idea. So go search it. The uh, senior tour in golf, you're pretty good, right?
1: <laughs> uh, not, not nearly good
0: enough for that. <laughs> Um Well, again, I, like I said, I, I hope we're not rushing you with that question. We look forward to watching you play for for still several years to come um, here. Um, awesome so before we um, before we conclude i wanted to kind of talk a little bit about your involvement on the rabbit.com platform that's the new online coaching platform that that i feel simply next level i know both i know both co-founders um they're simply first class guys i'm a user of the platform to have a menu a lot of the best coaches in the country along with many current tour players still playing today including yourself really coaching the user on really just about everything there is in the sport of tennis. Tell us about how you got involved in the project and your thoughts on the rabbit.com platform.
1: Yeah, well uh, you know, I played junior tennis with, with uh, Jess and Connor uh, so a couple of years ago when, when I saw them uh, at one of the tournaments and they were kind of spreading the word about their project um, you know it, it was uh pretty fun to see um, it's a great idea you know the the, the whole basis of uh, their philosophy that I think and I don't want to put words in their mouth but uh, that there are there's more than one way to hit a tennis ball and so you know to have different pros and and, uh, and pros teaching pros uh, you know all these guys try to they feel when they hit certain shots or, or how, they, uh, how they try to think about certain things, um, you know, for, for a young kid or a, or a club player or, or whomever, um, you know, something might might resonate, um, you know, when they hear it from, from one person
0: Absolutely. And, and it's, not, um, it's not a substitute for, uh, for their, the junior player's primary coach. I mean, it's just like you said. It could be a, it's more of a supplement, and you could hear something on the platform that really kind of registers with each kid differently, and, and maybe that green light will turn on. Um, I'm, I'm completely sold on the product. I think it's great, and I think it's great that you and several other um, tour players are as coaches I mean as a junior player I would have loved to have this platform out there it's really cool and then Jeff and Connor yeah but... I, could have, I could have seen myself spending uh, way too many hours when I was a young kid you know, <laughs> you
1: know looking, looking through with some of the, the players that I look up to
0: hundred percent Tim it's, it's um, I know you're traveling so I'm gonna let you go um, thank you so much for spending some time with us safe travels um, you're you're awesome you got a ton of fans supporting you I hope uh, I hope I see you in Del Rey again this February you're gonna be there hopefully yeah. right and and best of luck in main Drive Australia and the thank rest the rest of 2018 thank you for spending time. All right, I'll see you later. That was Tim Smichek with us on the and Tennis Podcast. Tim is a great, great guy. Such a gentleman on the court, such a competitor. It's fun watching him him compete. So I hope you enjoyed that, and we will have this posted. I'll post it on my Facebook page. I'll post it on my website, and I hope you enjoy it. Everyone have a good night. Thank you.